Good afternoon. That got your attention, I guess. What is the purpose of showing this picture? None. Just to get your attention, okay? I just want to say thank you uh, to Pastor Joanne for inviting me. Thank you very much. Um, Pastor Panjang Hill Brethren Church has a, or at least this youth group has a very special place in my heart because um, it's one of the first few youth groups that invited me when I started ministry many, many years ago. So uh, it's a great privilege for me to be here again. Um, I want to just take this time to honor your pastor, Pastor Joanne, okay? Um, this year, I think, marks the year where I've known her more than half my life, okay? It's, yeah, I've really known her. I've known her since I was sec three, and she was, she may or may not have been sec four. I mean, I cannot make her lie just now, right? So, um, so I've known her for a long time, and I just want to tell you that you have a very, I mean, you're very privileged to have her as your pastor because this this lady, okay, she has been called into the ministry since, I mean, I, since I've known her, she's always been like the president of this youth group before it was called Lao Jen, right? A long time ago. She's like relic or something, right? So, so she's really, really been called by God uh, for a very, very long time. And even through her university days, even through her days in MOE, she was still committed to being in this church, leading in this youth group. And it's I'm very encouraged that she came in full-time staff and, and she loves you. I want to just share with you that um, because I'm a, I'm a father, I know how difficult it is for uh, a minister to be away from his family over the weekends. And she's a mother and she has two kids. And she's with you guys, like 40, 50 kids. And so you guys are real, real privileged to have a mother who is mothering you on a weekend, okay? So can you just encourage her? You have a very good pastor, Okay. It's really um, apt that, that uh, she asked me to share this sermon on the, on, on the series called Heroes of Faith because I think you have an example here, okay? Because I think she's a hero of faith to you, okay? Now, the people that you have talked about, the people that you have shared about, they were all just regular people. They weren't like X-Men or they weren't like Captain America. They were regular folks with an amazing God. And I tell you, you have a pastor here, you have a pastor here, you have worship leaders here. They are also regular people. I'm a regular folk, but I have an amazing God. And because of that, I have an amazing opportunity to exercise faith. The title of my sermon today is From Zero to Hero. Okay, from zero to hero. Okay, this didn't get a reaction. So I guess you guys are not soccer crazy people. I should stand in the center so that I don't leave the guys out. I guess you guys are not soccer crazy people. Um, I just want to say that um, um, before, okay, the very first conference that I ever went to, okay, is this conference called Bondage Breaker. Have you guys ever heard of it? Is this so long ago? Okay, Bondage Breaker, okay, I attended it when I was like 14 or 15 years old, okay? And when I was at this conference, um, it was a conference about getting guys to break out of sexual sin. <laughs> so awkward. Okay. So, so, you know, the people who attended this conference, okay, they struggled with, like, pornography, they struggled with, like, lust, they struggled with masturbation. And so, you have a whole bunch of testosterone-filled, sinful young men going for this conference. And I remembered, I was like, okay, for those of you who want to turn your life around and you want to give your life to God again, come to the altar. And so, I went to the altar, I knelt down, and I wept my 
eyeballs out because I say, sorry God, I shouldn't have looked at those things, shouldn't have, you know, uh, having those thoughts in my head. And I just repented before the Lord. And I remember so clearly, I don't recall anything, I don't even know how the stage looks like, but I remembered, okay, that as I repented before the Lord and said, God, I'm sorry, I heard two words from the Lord. I thought I would hear, you're forgiven. I thought I would hear, you're free. I thought I would hear, you're liberated. No, but actually, at that altar call where I was repenting of my last two sins, I heard these two words, worship leader. I'm like, what? What, Lord? What, 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 what? What has it got to do with, like, lust? What's it got to do with, like, sexual sin? What's it got to do with, like, breaking free from all these things? I'm trying to break a bondage in my life. But the Lord put in my heart, bondage breaker. At this conference, the Lord put in my heart, worship leader. Now I want to tell young people, when that happened, I was caught by surprise. Really caught by surprise. And because I was repenting of a sin, I felt completely unworthy of the call. I mean, I look like a sportsman, but actually I'm a choir boy. No, actually I don't look like a sportsman. Now, I, the only experience I had with singing was when I was in ACS and I was in a choir and I was just, I mean, I'm not too proud of my CCA, you know. <laughs> it's choir, come on. Choir, come on, man. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. But let me tell you, are you a choir boy? Okay, you see how cool I am now? Everything's going to be all right, okay? Everything's going to be all right, okay? Right? God puts us through tough times, okay? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, okay? Now, so, so the only experience that I have with singing is in the choir. And, and in church, I was not even on the worship team. And the Lord put in my heart, worship leader, I was completely, I felt completely unworthy of the call. And when that happened, I was unsure of how to proceed. Like, what do I do from here? This 14-year-old, 15-year-old guy, go to the worship leader, hey, um, the Lord told me at Bondage Breaker, worship leader, so sign me up. I didn't really do that, but I did sign up for, uh, to be a part of the creative arts ministry and the youth ministry. So I signed up for that. Long story cut short, I served as a worship, I served in the worship team. I was a singer, then I became a worship leader. Then for the longest time, I became a worship leader. And now I am preaching the word of God to you. Why am I telling you this story? Because sometimes I think maybe you and I are caught in that kind of surprising situation. We want to go to God for something, then God gives us something else. And we are caught by surprise and we're like, God, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to respond to this? Sometimes I even feel unworthy of my call. Some of you here, maybe, maybe, okay, you are not old enough to be parents yet, but maybe some of you here, when, 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 when you try for kids, if and when you try for kids, the Lord doesn't give you one. How do you respond to that? You want a kid, but you don't get one, you know? Some of you here, you study your brains out, but at the end of the year, when your results come back, you get retained. Well, actually, I tell you, you get retained because you don't study, la. Not, not because you study your brains out, okay? Now, some of you here, maybe, 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 maybe you, you, you're wondering why your parents ground you or why they reduce your income, your allowance, or you're wondering why you got fired from the CCA position, or you're wondering why, why if you're working, why you got a promotion that, or why you didn't get a promotion that you deserve. Sometimes we are caught in a very surprising situation and we don't know what to do with it. Sometimes we think, is, is it about whether I'm good enough or is it whether I am not 
good enough. There's a struggle in us and how then should we respond to situations like these? Now, I'm telling you all this because I want to tell you that there are people in the Bible who were also caught by surprise. And when they were caught, they were not, they didn't feel worthy of their call. And not just that, but they were unsure of how to proceed. You know, it's interesting that uh, I'm preaching this particular uh, Bible character today because this morning I had breakfast with the same person of the same name, okay? So I had lunch with uh, breakfast with my brother called Gideon, okay? And today I'm preaching on Gideon. So I want to turn your attention to Judges chapter 6. Can you all turn to Judges chapter 6? And this is exactly what happened to Gideon. Gideon was maybe at a, at a bondage breaker kind of experience. And then the Lord threw him a curveball that he couldn't understand why. And I want to share with you how this guy called Gideon, one of the judges during the time of judging in, 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 uh, in, in, in the ancient Near East, okay? How this person responded by faith and he actually became an accidental hero of faith. Okay, so let's turn to Judges chapter 6. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, okay? We're going to read from verse 11 all the way to verse 24. Okay, so I need you guys to stay with me. Verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And, why, and where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they, the Lord, didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Okay, if you reach this point in time and you don't think this is a funny story, maybe your sense of humor needs to improve a little bit, okay? Because there is so much irony in just what happened. Y'all don't see it, I'll explain to y'all later, okay? So, um, verse 15, But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, If you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home, verse 19. He cooked a young goat with a basket of flour, and he, with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in the basket and the broth in the pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. Verse 20. The angel of God said to him, Place the meat and the unleavened bread on the rock and pour the broth over it. Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff in his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out. A bit, a bit like, he's a bit dense, right? Like, after all that has happened, then he, oh, angel. Okay, then he said, okay, um, oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It is all right, the Lord said. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Oprah in the land of the clan of Abiezer to this day. Now, 
I want to give you the context of this particular chapter first, okay? If you look at this context, you will, okay, for those of you who are familiar with Old Testament history, what happens is that when the, when, when the Israelites went into the promised land, okay, they asked for judges to rule them. And Gideon was one of the judges that ruled them, okay? And, and what happened was that they went through this cycle of sinning, judging, and restoration. So this happened a few times, and what happened was that the Israelites did evil, God judged them, and they cried out for help. So this repeated six or seven times. Let me show you just from verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. So this is what happened. They did evil, the Lord judged them, and then in verse 6, if you take a look, so Israel was reduced to salvation, oh sorry, to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Can you see this cycle? They did something bad, they, they, they got judged, and then they cry out to the Lord for help. Now think about this. Don't you think this is kind of like the story of our lives? We, we, we did something bad, we come to church, you know, and, and the Lord judges us. Judges us because there is sin in our hearts. And then what happens is that when we have this sin in our hearts, we repent and we say, God, I need your help. And the next week, we come back here with the same thing again and again and again. And this is kind of like the story of our lives. We, 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 we mess up, we suffer the consequences, we surrender the outcome to God, and then we seek help. There are two principles or two stories or two, um, two things that I want you to take note of in this ex- example of Gideon, okay? And these are the two ways that this guy really rose up to be a hero of faith. If you're taking down sermons, the first thing I want you to write down is to be honest, Whenever you go through a situation, you be honest and you reconcile your present difficulties. I will show you a couple of things in the passage that tells you how Gideon responded to this situation, okay? If you look at verse 11, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat behind, uh, beneath the great tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abiezer, okay? And Gideon's son of Joash was trashing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Now, Gideon, in verse 11, he was hiding from his enemies. Can y'all see that? They were going through a pretty tough time, and Gideon was hiding from his enemies. Now, this is a really funny thing to say, because I want you to know that Gideon is a warrior. He's a warrior. He's not a farmer. He's a warrior, and his father's name is Joash. Do you know what Joash means? Joanne, do you know what Joash means? What, what does Joash mean? Kingly, okay, close, okay, close, okay. Uh, Jody, do you know what Joash means? I mean, you all have a brother called Joash, right? Naughty. <laughs> okay, Joash, Joash means Yahweh is strong. <laughs> Yahweh is strong, or in other versions, you will find the fire of God. Joash is a powerful name, very powerful name. And so you have a guy whose father is called Yahweh is strong, hiding in a wine press, running away from his enemies. Now he was trashing wheat in a wine press. Do you know how ridiculous that is? Do you know what you do in a wine press? 
You press wine, right? You press wine in a wine press, and so a wine press, okay, if I could help you to think about it, a wine press is kind of like the size of a baptism pool, okay? And they have like tons of grapes in there, and if you, if you still go to like uh, the Eastern European countries, they will still step on, in, in the wine press on the grapes to get the juice out. So that's what you do in a wine press. You're supposed to press wine. What was the son of Yahweh is strong doing in a wine press? He was threshing wheat. Do you know what's threshing wheat? So this cowardly guy, he goes into a baptism pool size area and instead of stepping on wine, on grapes, the fellow was taking like this broom or whatever thing and hitting wheat on the floor. I, I don't know about you, but when I find out about something like that, I think this guy is an absolute coward. He's an absolute coward, but let me tell you, when you have this setting, the son of Yahweh is strong, hiding from his enemies by trashing wheat in a wine press. Let me tell you, in this ridiculous situation, it sets up an incredible setting for God to show up. Let me tell you, as a 14-year-old kid, I was struggling with lust. I was at a bondage breaker conference trying to break out of lust. And then the Lord said, worship leader. Now what did the Lord say to Gideon? Who is supposed to be the son of a warrior, Yahweh is strong. He says to Gideon, mighty hero. Don't you find it funny? I find it very ridiculous. If I was Gideon, I would be hearing like, Mighty hero, ah, okay, cannot be me. La. <laughs> Mighty hero, ah, no, la, cannot be me. I am a wheat treasure in a wine press, you know. Y'all don't find it, okay, I find it extremely funny, okay. Now, I want to I tell you, if you are in a wine press now, in the wine press of your life, whatever that means, and you're trashing wheat, maybe you are the most unpopular person in school. Maybe you are in a place where your, your mom and dad are going through a divorce. Maybe you're going in a place where your dad just got retrenched. Maybe you are going through a very tough time in school. Let me tell you, when it seems impossible, it is a great setting for the presence of the Lord to turn up. So if you are in a wine press, if you are threshing wheat in a wine press, let me tell you, your times of distress could actually be a part of God's progress for your life. You must know that. Don't ever think that if you're in trouble, God is not there. Don't ever think that if you're hiding, God is not there. In fact, it is in those times that God will want to show up. Now, if you take a look at verse 15, the second thing I want to say about being honest, okay? If you take a look at verse 15, okay? So, so uh, the Lord says to Gideon in verse 14, right? I am sending you. In verse 15, it says, But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest. Blah, 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 blah. He's complaining. Sounds like a Moses kind of guy, right? He's complaining and complaining and complaining. And I think what Gideon was doing, he was protesting with his inadequacy. He was focusing on who he is and where he came from. But let me tell you that as this story progressed, Gideon slowly realized who he was talking to and what he could do and what God could do through him. Now, let me help you to see this. Okay? In verse 13, in verse 13, some of your Bibles will say, Sir. Okay? And this is the first time Gideon addresses this 
unknown supernatural divine presence. And he calls that presence, Sir. Can you all see it? Sir. And then as he conversed with the Lord, as he conversed with this angel, you move down to verse 15, okay? Gideon changed his salutation, but Lord. And then when you go all the way down to verse 22, okay, fast forward to verse 22, the second part of verse 22, he cried out, O sovereign Lord. Do you know that all this thing happened maybe in like a couple of hours? And what does this tell us? If you hang out with the Lord, if you spend time with the Lord, if you fellowship with the Lord, you are no longer strangers with the Lord. You will move from Sir to Lord to O Sovereign Lord. And then you will discover, you will progress, you will make that paradigm shift and, and you, will, you will start to understand that it's no longer who you are and what you can do, but whom you belong to and what He can do through you. And Gideon realized that. And I want you to see the third thing that happened to Gideon, okay? For Gideon, he requested a confirmation of his calling. In verse 17, okay, Gideon replied, If you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Now, this particular line, it tells me that either Gideon had lots of faith or zero faith. Okay? Now, if an angel of the Lord appears to you, can you imagine? Where's I? I remember seeing Matt. Where's the worship leader? Matt. Where's Matt? Can you imagine Matt? Okay? You're suddenly worshipping God. Okay? And then you hear a voice. Mighty hero. And only you hear it. Mighty hero. Stop leading worship now and get on a plane and go to Africa. If you hear a voice like this, Number one, you'll be freaked out. Right? You'll be freaked out. Number two, you'll respond to it. He could either go like, okay, Jessica, please take over. And he runs out. Or he'll be like, hey, who are you? I, I look at Pachuca when I did that. Hey, who are you, man? Give me a sign. Uh, I want you to uh, speak to me in a feminine voice instead. Matthew, no, I'm just kidding, okay? Can you see how ridiculous the situation was? Gideon, who was doing something rubbish in a wine press, heard from the Lord, and instead of being completely convinced, Gideon actually went like, Hey, hey, hey that's you, huh? hey, show me a sign. Now this guy, I think he had a lot of faith. A lot of faith. And I think Gideon had a lot of faith because deep down in his heart, he knew that he wanted to lead his people. Deep down in his heart, he knew, even though he was looking like a coward, but deep down in his heart, he wanted to lead his people. There was a sincerity in his heart to deliver his people from what was going on in his life. Now, I think it's always more fun to share sob stories than to share inspirational stories. So I will tell you how I messed up in my life, okay? When I was younger, much younger, okay? I, I got into wrong relationships. Now, I, I don't know why, okay? I don't know why, but every time I come to Pasir Panjang Kill and preach, right, I always tell you about how I messed up in my relationships. I, I, I see in my sermon records, okay? I see the stories that I share. It's always like this field relationship, that field relationship. I don't know why, okay? But yeah, I messed up a lot of times, okay? So what happened was that it was, it was this particular relationship. Again, I won't tell you how many. It was just one too many, okay? Now, this particular relationship was so bad, so bad, okay, that... 
I was summoned to my senior pastor's office. Now, okay, there's a senior pastor of, of Pasir Panjang Hill, right? Okay, if, if you guys, um, your senior pastor summoned you to his office, would you all be scared? Yeah, scared, right? You probably got like, oh, I'll die, I'll die. A mighty hero, <laughs> die. Huh? So, not just that, right? But my church, my church, right? We have about 4,000 people. There's a lot of people, right? And if your senior pastor calls you one out of 4,000 people to come into your office, I'll be like, <laughs> die, <laughs> die, should die, okay? So what happened was that I got summoned to his office and my youth pastor, my mentor, was sitting beside me and my senior pastor in my face told me as, I, I, I can't remember how old I was, but I was very young, like, you know, stop going out with this girl. And I thought to myself, right, and this was the guy who like, after bondage breaker, want to be worship leader kind of guy, right? I thought that's it. That's the end of my ministry career. The big, 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 big boss of my church come and tell me, hey, you better, I think you have messed up too many times. Please, I want you to really, you know, get out of this relationship. It's too toxic for you. It's very bad for her. It's very bad for the parents. It's very bad for the whole church. Just terrible. Okay, stop doing it. Stop, stop, stop. I think to myself, that happened at that time. And if somebody came into the office as an angel and whispered into my ear, Youth pastor. I'd be like, Siao. But that was something that I couldn't have imagined happened in my life. This guy who was summoned to the senior pastor's office one day became the youth pastor telling people not to dip. I mean, I tell them not to date until they are of a certain age. Okay? So we, are, we, we, we don't produce nuns and monks in my church, okay? We still want them to get married, okay? Now, I want you to know that it was incredible that in those two low points of my life, that the call of God was strong. Maybe when I was about to mess up, the Lord in His grace reminded me of my destiny in Him. I don't know. Where are you now? One of the first few things that we need to do wherever we are, whether we are going through a period of darkness or going through a period where we don't feel like there's any progress, we have to first be honest with what's going on. We have to be honest and to reconcile what are the difficulties that we have. If we want to rise up as heroes of faith, if we want to emulate heroes of faith, we have to be realistic first. If not, we live in a cloud. And I think Gideon was very realistic. For Gideon, he hid from his enemies. For Gideon, he protested with his inadequacies. And for Gideon, he requested a confirmation of his calling. But here's where it gets interesting. Here's where it gets all exciting. After Gideon did all that, something switched in his life. The second point that I have for you is that if you want to rise up to the level of being a hero of faith, if you want to emulate all these people, you've got to be hopeful. You've got to be hopeful. You've got to remember your prophetic destiny. The difference between us as believers and the people who are non-believers is that we have God. Let me say that again. Do you know what it means to have God in your life? Do you know what it means to encounter the presence of the Lord? You guys may have grown up as Christians 
But until you see, a, a, until you experience a day without the presence of God, you will really discover how precious the presence of the Lord is. Now, I want to show you three things in this sub-point, okay, or in this point about God, okay? Now, the first one in verse 12. Let's take a look at verse 12. You see that the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. God was sending him on a mission. Now, this response, okay, I don't want to belabor the point of how ridiculously it looks, okay? So, but, but I think it's good for the sake of demonstration. So, this Gideon, he was, what was he doing? Trashing wheat. And he was trashing wheat in a wine press. And so, he heard this thing. Mighty hero. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I think it's ridiculous, okay? Now, when you hear mighty hero, you have a few reactions. The first reaction that I think I might have if I was Gideon is that, whoa, the Lord is praising me for how I trash the wheat. Oh, you mighty heroic wheat trasher, woohoo! Right, I mean, that, that could be an interpretation, you know? He's whacking the wheat very heroically, very mightily, very valently. Of course, that's quite unlikely, right? Now, the second thing that could happen is, is that could be a prophetic greeting. Because Gideon was nothing like a mighty hero. And when the angel of the Lord said, mighty hero, that could be prophetic in nature. Sometimes when you hear something that jars your realism, jars your reality, it could be prophetic in nature. Where God is calling you to be someone that you don't think you are that you don't think you can ever be. But maybe mighty hero is that. Or there could be another way of looking at it, which is maybe the Lord is calling out what Gideon truly is. So he could be describing an action, or he could be calling out prophetically. But maybe when the Lord calls Gideon mighty hero, the Lord was really calling what was in Gideon's heart. That Gideon deep down inside is a mighty, at the wrong place, at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing. But deep down in his heart, mighty hero. Some of you here, the Lord is calling you, and the Lord is calling you a prayer warrior. The Lord is calling you a prophetess. The Lord is calling you a shepherd of people. The Lord is calling you worship leader. The Lord is calling you missionary. The Lord is calling you marketplace warrior. Maybe the Lord is calling you out prophetically, but maybe the Lord is really calling what is already in you. And maybe for some of you, you already know what the Lord has called you to, but you just dare not do it, dare not walk into it. And so, you end up threshing wheat. I believe in each one of us lies a hidden hero waiting to be called out, waiting to be empowered by Him to, be a, to accomplish His work. Now, here's the second thing that the Lord did with Gideon. In verse 16, let's take a look at verse 16. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. God personally showed up. Let's take a look at verse 14. If you were to just read this, glance through it, you will miss this. But I want to point your attention to this particular word. Then the Lord turned to him. The Lord 
heard Gideon's complaints and laments about how his people were suffering. And I think that got the attention of God. And God literally, figuratively, metaphorically turned to Gideon. And the Lord said to Gideon, I will be with you. Now, I want you to understand a few things about God's presence. When God says He is with you, God is commissioning you with His intimate presence. That's precious. When God is with you, He enables you with everything that He has. He's with you. When God is with you, He assures you of impending success because my God is a victor. My God is not a loser. If my God says that He is with me, I'm going to win. Without a shadow of doubt, I am going to win. And let me tell you, God's presence is the best gift of all. If you ever ask for anything from God, don't just ask for wisdom or prosperity or wealth or health. Don't ask for, for, for like a more girlfriend, boyfriend. No, just ask for God's presence. Why? Because with God's presence, everything else comes along with it. So Gideon received a fantastic gift. God said, I will be with you. Now just now we went into that ridiculous moment where if God called Matthew, missionary or what, right? And, 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 and Matthew would be like, show me a sign. That in itself was a ridiculous thing. But what was even more what was even more mind-blowing for me was that God, in His grace, actually confirmed Gideon's request. God didn't need to do that, but God did that. This is what God did, okay? So, so in verse 21, okay, if you take a look at verse 21, where is it? Okay, then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand, and the fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had bought, brought, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Okay, now, for this to even happen, okay, so what happened was that Gideon prepared a meal. Okay, it's kind of like prepared barbecue or something, right? He put it there, and then fire came. Okay, then it became barbecue meat, and it was consumed. That means it was accepted. Okay, so Gideon prepared a meal, and the angel consumed it. Now, you will just read it over like, okay, Gideon prepared a meal, and angel consumed it. But do you know that if you want God to confirm a calling in your life, you've got to bring something? Gideon could never see that meal get consumed by the Lord if he didn't bring the meal. And young people, a lot of us, we're just like asking God, speak to me, confirm to me certain things in my life, but we just don't do anything. I want you to know that for the meal to be consumed, it had to be there in the first place. And who brought the meal? Gideon brought the meal. His response felt really natural, but it really required supernatural faith. Let me tell you, miracles, acts of faith, things that happen in the spiritual realm, miracles often require partnership. What is a partnership? Where you do the natural and God does the super. That's supernatural. You want to see something supernatural happen in your life? You do the natural, God does the super. If you want to see your parent or your grandparent get, 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 get uh, healed from a sickness and you don't do anything about it, what will God do? In His grace, He could still heal. But why don't you in your natural go up to your grandparent, lay your hand on him and pray? When you do the natural, 
God does the super. If you want to know the Word of God inside out and you don't read it, how will you ever be a man who knows the Word of God? You do the natural and God does the super. If you want to see God provide in you finances, you do the natural and God does the super. Let me tell you, my wife works. My wife works. Oh, yes. My wife is a work. That means my wife is not a stay-at-home mom, okay? She works in the industry and her salary is double of mine. I work in a church. God has given me more than enough, but my, my wife works in a place that pays her better, okay? And so she earns double of what I earn. But do you know that at the end of one year, I have outgiven her, I've, I've outgiven my wife with half a salary. I have outgiven her to missions, outgiven her to people to bless them. Why? Because I trusted that God will use my provisions to bless people. If you want to see something supernatural happen in your life, you've got to do the super first. Then, the, so you've got to do the natural first, then the super will come after that. But I want to show you something else that happened here. This is, to me, when I read it, I was like, whoa, this is really cool, okay? So you see, um, in, verse, okay, in verse 21, the last part of verse 21, it says, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Verse 22, Gideon talks to God again. And verse 23, it is all right. He replied, do not be afraid. Now, the, 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 the miracle of what the angel did disappeared. But after the miracle disappears, God stays behind. Don't miss that. You're looking for a miracle, but the miracle is not an end in itself. God stayed behind. God stayed behind. God confirmed His call in my life with a prayer that was answered. I received my calling to come into full-time ministry. I didn't know as what. Maybe I, I wanted to be a full-time worship leader. That was all I wanted to do because that was all I did when I was a teenager. But the Lord put in my heart to serve Him full-time when I was 17, 18 years old. And for the longest time, I was wondering what it would be to serve the Lord. In my, in my mid-20s, I discovered that I really wanted to be a youth pastor. That was what the Lord had put in my heart. And so I, I told the Lord, Lord, please, please confirm it. Please speak to my mother about this. Now, I want you to know that I'm the first in my family to be a Christian. Okay? So, my mom is not like uh, your mom. Okay? I believe most of you here are church kids. Right? So, your mom and your dad goes to church. They, they know God. They know the Bible. They pray with you. They sing Jesus loves you when you were younger. I mean, that's what I do with my child now, right? I want you to know that you have godly parents. My mom, I think by her own admission, she won't say that she's, she knows God. She's a Christian now by the, by, by the grace of God, but she's not like one of those super ons Christians. She's one of those Christians that will come to church and go to that English service because she likes the worship songs in English service, but she doesn't understand anything from the pastor because it's too chim, so she'll go to the Chinese service to listen to Chinese sermons. Okay, so my mom is just a very, very simple person. And, and for the longest time, whenever I brought up the topic, mom, I want to be a youth pastor. Wow, she'll be very drama about things. Cannot! You cannot be a youth pastor. You're my firstborn. You must bring in lots of money for the family. You are going to support me. Okay, my mom is a single mom. I don't live with my dad. And so she placed all her hopes on me, supporting her for the rest of her life. Okay, so for me to go into church, 
to work in church, it defied her thinking and hopes and aspirations for me. So she refused to let me go to church because she, and I quote her, she didn't want me to beg for life. She's not wrong. I am technically, my salary comes from your tithes and offering. I mean, my church's tithes and offering. She's not wrong in saying that. But she didn't want me to beg for life. And so, long story cut short, she refused to let me go full-time. And so, because she refused to let me go full-time, when it was time for me to make a career switch, uh, after my first job, I had an opportunity to go to Shanghai, to work in Shanghai. So I went to Shanghai, and I worked there, and my perspective in Shanghai, my, my, my attitude in Shanghai, was simply to collect sermon analogies. That's all I wanted to do in Shanghai. I would do my best in whichever field that I'm working in, but all I wanted to do was to collect sermon analogies because I believed that I'll be a youth pastor one day and I needed to preach and I needed stories to, to, to illustrate to people from the Bible, okay? So, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I said, God, if you want me to come in full-time, you convince my mom. And I don't want to dishonor her. I was old enough by then to just make a decision without her saying anything. I could do that. I was old enough. But I didn't want to dishonor her. I don't believe that there is honor in dishonoring your parents. All right? So, so what happened was that when I came back from Shanghai, my contract was over two years later. I came back from Shanghai and my church knew that I was back. And so my youth pastor approached me, the same guy who sat in the office, in the senior pastor's office with me. He came, approached me, he said, would you like to go full-time now? He said, my mom still doesn't allow. So I went to look for a job. I had a few job offers. I was nearly about to sign contract for this particular job offer. And then, and all this while, I didn't force my mom. I didn't like persuasively tell her to let me go full-time. I just let the Lord speak to her on her own behalf, or on his own behalf. And then at a normal family dinner on a Sunday evening, my mom just sat me down. And here's the lady who goes to English service to sing songs and Chinese service to listen to sermons, right? So she said to me, Joe, I've been praying for you. I'm like, hey. You? Mommy? Really? Okay, okay, sure. You've been praying for me. Joe, the last two weeks, I fasted lunch for you. Don't bluff, you go diet, right? <laughs> and my mom told me, I fasted lunch for you. And then my mom told me this third thing. She said, Joe, God told me to let you go full time. And I was like, what? And you must know that I didn't talk to her about this. I simply honoured her and wanted to find jobs. Normal jobs like everybody else. I didn't really tell her about the church offer. And the Lord spoke to her and answered a two-year prayer for me. And He confirmed that in my life with the biggest obstacle I had to overcome my mother's approval. What an incredible thing that is Mother's Day tomorrow and I'm sharing this story with you today. Now, let me tell you, we can learn so much from the life of Gideon. We can learn so much from the way that God has responded to him. But if we want to move from zero to hero, from a zero in faith to a hero of faith, we must step out. Gideon stepped out. We have to learn from him. We've got to step out. Whenever you are caught by surprise, whenever God calls you to do something different, whenever God gives you something and you might be confused by your next step, you must always be honest to reconcile your present difficulties, but you must always be hopeful to remember your prophetic destiny. Let me tell you, faith is responding to uncertain times 
with certainty. Do you all know where the definition of faith is in the Bible? Anyone? Hebrews? Hebrews 11? Can anybody quote it to me out of memory? Man of God, you said Hebrews 11 one. Oh God, <laughs> mighty hero. <laughs> faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things that we cannot see yet to come. That is faith. Now faith, faith requires you to have confidence in something that you cannot see. Faith requires you to have an assurance that what you don't see will come to pass. Let me tell you, the opposite of faith is not faithlessness. The opposite of faith is not unfaithfulness. The opposite of faith is sight. Did you catch that? The opposite of faith is not faithlessness or unfaithfulness, but is sight. Which is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. You walk by faith when things are counterintuitive. You walk by faith when you are confused with things. You walk by faith when you are caught by surprise. That's how you walk by faith. That's how Gideon walked by faith. But walking by faith is not like this airy-fairy, lofty, hipster thing that you do that nobody understands. Let me tell you, walking by faith is systematic. Can I just show it to you? Take a look at verse 11. Okay? We're going back to Scripture again. Okay, so Gideon was actually waiting for things to happen. He wanted to deliver his people who were under oppression. What was Gideon doing? He was doing something rubbish, but he was doing something. The first step in walking by faith is to not stay idle. It's to do something. Gideon could have sat under a tree to wait for revelation. He did not do that. Gideon was actually doing something. The first step in walking by faith is to do something. Don't stay idle. Divine appointments do not happen when we are lazing away. Faith means you do something. The second thing that Gideon did was in verse 13. If you take a look at it, Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all these things happened to us? The Lord was addressing Gideon one-on-one. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. But what did Gideon do? The Lord, Gideon actually turned it around and said, my people are suffering. He could have had a personal encounter with the Lord, but no, he turned a personal thing into a corporate lament. And he started to say to, to the angel, the Lord brought us, where all the miracles our ancestors told us about, handed us over to the Midian knights. Gideon didn't do something. or Gideon didn't do things for himself. If you want to have faith, the first step that you need to do is to not stay idle, to do something. But the second step you need to do is to do something that's bigger than yourself. It's to do it for somebody else. It's when your, it's when your life don't revolve around you. Gideon considered himself as the people's leader and his people above himself. Faith gives you a purpose that's bigger than yourself. And here's the third thing that you are to do if you want to walk by faith. If we learn from Gideon in verse 18, don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. If you want to walk by faith, don't stay idle, don't do it for yourself, and don't come empty-handed. Bring an offering. 
What do you have to offer? Let me tell you, there is so much talent in this room. I always tell this to my young people. There is enough potential in our youth group to change the world. And most of the time, God uses one individual to change the world. God used, well, I wouldn't say God used, but Adolf Hitler changed the world. I don't think God used that, but God allowed that to happen. Winston Churchill changed the world. Mahmat Gandhi changed the world. Martin Luther King changed the world. Martin Luther, the German guy, changed the world. John Wesley changed the world. Lee Kuan Yew changed the world. Imagine it's just one, 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 one. You have at least 50 people here. It's enough to change 50 worlds. We only need one. I have enough young people in my church to change the world. Don't change the world. Let's discount a bit. Why don't you guys change Pasir Panjang? Why don't you guys change West Coast? Oh, I would love to see the day where one of you visit my grandmother or my grandmother-in-law, my wife's grandmother who stays at West Coast. Oh, I would love to see that happen because there is enough potential in this room to change Singapore. West Coast, Pasir Panjang, Telok Blanga. I think this is your area, right? This is your tipan, you know? Faith means that you still bring something when you have nothing. You want to walk in faith? You don't want to walk by sight? Don't do nothing. Don't do it for yourself. Don't bring nothing. If we want to move from zero to hero, we've got to step out. We've got to step up to step out. I would like to conclude. What time is service supposed to end? Oh, really? Wow, okay. In my youth group, um, I only have about 40 minutes to preach. Okay, so it's always nice when you get a little bit more time so that you can do ministry together. Now, I want to tell you, uh, can I get a worship team up while I share that? I sound more spiritual when there's music. Now, people, I want to tell you that from a 14-year-old guy that Joanne knew, okay, 15, one year later, from that teenage guy who went for a bondage breaker conference, who tried to break out of sin that was destroying his life. The journey that the Lord has taken me on from 1998 some of you not even born yet. From 998 all the way to 2016. It's an incredible journey. Absolutely incredible, mind-blowing journey. Some of you who heard my testimony before knew that, know that if I am not a pastor, I would have, if I'm not a Christian, I'll be running my family's temple operation. That is my destiny back then. But no, the Lord called me step by step. Call me, you will be a believer. I converted. In the darkest of my times, worship leader. Going through problems as a Christian. Some people, I want you to know that being a Christian doesn't mean that you live in a bed of roses, on a bed of roses. 
Being a Christian doesn't mean that you have no storms in your life. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you have a storm-free life. Being a Christian means that you have Christ in the vessel with you and you have a storm-proof life. Being a Christian is not easy, but with God, it's bearable. It's easy. The journey that I've taken, some of you will take that journey. Some of you will take different other journeys. But when I look back at my life, it, it really does seem that in my darkest of times, God calls mighty hero. In my darkest of days, God calls man of God. Only God could write a story like this. Really, only God could write a story like this. I want to close today's message by sharing with you words of the Apostle Paul. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the Word of God says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long time ago. Young people, I want you to know that you and I are masterpieces. You know what's a masterpiece? You are the spotlight, the highlight of an art gallery. You are thoughtfully put together. You are tenderly called by the Lord. You are specially reserved for His purpose. God calls you a masterpiece. In Christ Jesus, not in yourself, not in your church, not in your pastor, but in Christ Jesus. What is that purpose? To be a flower pot? No. It's so that you can do the good things that God has intended for you to do. That is the purpose of a masterpiece. If you want to move from zero to hero, wherever you are, then you have to step up so that you can step out. Let's pray. again to the main altar call as I was worshipping the Lord just now the Lord put in my heart a word specifically for this youth group in Judges 6 the one that we just read in verse 18 the second part of verse 18 the word of God said I will wait here until you return today I believe that word is for some of you some of you here, you are running away from the Lord. Some of you here, you are refusing to bring your gift to the Lord. Some of you here are afraid to go to the Lord. But today, I don't know who it is for. Maybe it's for a few people. I want to tell you the Word of God. God Himself says to you, I will wait for you until you return. Young people, 
God says to you, I will wait for you until you return. And today, if this is the day for you to return to the Lord, to be in His presence again, to stop running away from Him, to stop dabbling in petty sin, to stop destroying your faith. If today you hear the Lord calling to you and asking you to return to Him, without anyone looking around, I really want to pray with you. If that is you and you hear from the Lord, I will wait for you until you return. And you say to me, Pastor, I think that's for me. I want to return to the Lord today. I don't want to rebel anymore. I want to bring my gift to Him. I want to respond to Him. If that is you, I'd like you to raise your hand. Thank you. I see four hands. Thank you. Anyone else here? Thank you. I see another hand at the back, a hand in the center. Anyone else here? Father, you see the hands that are raised towards you. Heavenly Father, I know that when the word is preached, it does not return to you without having an effect. And Father, this is the impact of the word of God upon the hearts of the people who are here. Father, you are the one who initiated the work of salvation in their hearts. Father, you are the one that will initiate the work of redemption where they come back to you. Father, you are the one that will initiate the work of restoration. So Father, I speak salvation into the hearts of the young people. Father, I speak redemption into the hearts of the young people. I speak forgiveness into the hearts of the young people. I speak restoration and revival in the hearts of the young people. And I say, oh God, they are ready to return to you. For by grace we have been saved through faith. So Father, I pray that they in their faith will run to you, return to you, so that you may restore them. You hear their hearts cry, O God. You speak to them clearly, O God. team minister to you, you converse with the Holy Spirit. You ask the Lord what He's saying to you. You ask the Lord why He's calling you mighty hero, mighty man, mighty woman, son of God, child of God. Let the Lord call you today. surrounded I am surrounded 
just call on a few people. The first group of people are those whom the Lord has already called. Whom the Lord has already put something in your heart to do. But you're not doing anything about it. You are idle. You are lazy. You refuse to take action. But the Lord is calling you today to take action. It could be an action for your family. It could be an action for your school. It could be an action for the church. It could be an action for your workplace and you know that the Lord has called you to do it because the Lord has placed you in that place to do it. I don't know what it is. The Lord knows. You know. And today, the Lord is inviting you to respond to it and to do something about it. So today, if you say, Lord, I know you have called me to do something and I want to start doing it. I don't want to be idle anymore. I want to do something about my faith. If that is you, then you raise your hand to the Lord. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. I see your hand. Second group of people that I want to speak to are for those who have always thought that life was about themselves. But today, as you learn from this hero of faith called Gideon, you realize that the Lord used him because he was always thinking about his people. He was always living for something bigger than himself. And today, if you sense that the Lord is shifting you from self-centeredness to other-centeredness, that you want to take action not for yourself anymore but you want to take action for someone else because someone else needs to hear the gospel because someone else needs to experience the love of God because someone else needs you to pray for them because someone else needs you to serve them today you say God it's not about me anymore it's about the people that you have placed in my life if that is you then you raise your hand thank you I see your hand thank you I see your hand thank you I see your hand Anyone else? The last group of people that I want to speak with are those whom the Lord has called. They are really living for things that are bigger than themselves. But that's it. They stop there. I want to challenge you to bring something to the Lord. I told you, you have enough potential here to change the world. You have a talent you have a house, you have a car, you have resources, you have knowledge, you have time, you have energy, you have everything that you need. God has given you everything that you need to edify the church, to build up the body of Christ. Some of you here need to start serving on the worship team. Some of you need to start serving in church. Some of you here need to start texting people to encourage them. Some of you need to start praying for them. Challenge for you today is to bring something to the Lord. Gideon brought a goat with bread. What will you bring? Because if you don't bring anything, nothing will be consumed. 
But if you bring something, you're doing something in the natural so that God, some, God can do something in the super. That is you. You want to bring something to the Lord. Say, God, this is who I am. This is what I have. I'm going to bring it to you. Raise your hand to the Lord, please. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Let's all stand to our feet, shall we? As man leads us in this song again, or in any other song that the Lord puts in his heart to do, I'd like to encourage those who have raised their hands just now in either of the four categories to step out, to come to the front so that we can pray together. We can ask God to speak to us. And we can have someone pray with us. Thank you, Lord. Come, the altar is open. so they can turn it into beauty. But those of you who are not responding, not coming out, worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Friend of an altar, you know that someone here needs you to put your hand around. 
to you I call you victors I call you champions for Christ I call you beacons of truth I call you pathfinders I call you lighthouses I call you prayer warriors. I call you child of God. I call you beloved. I call you child of destiny. I call you my precious. I call you my son. I call you my daughter. I call you a leader of men. Heavenly Father, we want to pray that as a youth ministry, 
that this generation, this youth ministry in Pasir Panjang Hill, I pray, O oh God, that they will be loud in their faith, Lord. They will be loud in their actions, O oh God. Father, beyond rhetoric, beyond what we say with our lips, Father, I pray, O oh God, that you make us brave and courageous men and women of God who are loud in our expression of faith, who are loud in our love, who are loud in our prayer, who are loud in our redemption. Call us out, O oh Lord, and help us to remember that we have a purpose in this church. We have a purpose in this neighborhood. We have a purpose in our schools. We have a purpose in our family. Father, we don't want to be threshing wheat in a wine press, Lord. But Father, we want to do the natural so that you can do the super in our lives, oh God. So Heavenly Father, hear the prayers that have been uttered to you by us by the ones who are praying beside us, by the deep cries of our heart. Father, you call us out. For when you call, no one else can say, no one else can say anything else, God. You call, your presence, you are with us and everything else that you promise comes along with you. Thank you, God. What a privilege, Lord, that you call us what a privilege, Lord, that we get to partner with you, Lord. It's incredible, Lord. Thank you for telling us that you will be with us all the way. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Someone beside you that the Lord is with you and call them a mighty hero. Come on, mean it. A mighty heroine.
I thank you that you are a God who knows every detail of each of our lives. God, I thank you that, that you have a destiny and a plan and a purpose for our life, that you have planned even before we were born. And God, I thank you that you will bring to completion the good work that you have begun in each of us. And so God, right now I pray that here in Lao Jen, would you call out the warriors within God, would you call out the intercessors? Would you call out the leaders? God, would you call out agonizers? God, would you call out missionaries? God, would you call out pastors? God, would you call out the mighty warriors within? That, Father, we will not be hindered by our lack of faith. We will not fix our eyes on our earthly abilities. We will not fix our eyes on ourselves, but we will fix our eyes on Jesus. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith. So Father, I pray for each one here. And Lao Jen, would you raise your hand to the Lord? 
there is destiny in each of your lives, in each of you. No matter how old or young you are or, or what you think of yourself, no matter what abilities you think you have or don't have, no matter what circumstances you face or situations you are in, there is destiny in your life. So God, I pray that you help us believe that. Would you stir our hearts in faith as we look to you and not to ourselves. And we thank you that God, you have a purpose for each of us. So Father, would you help us to, to walk in your ways so that we can walk in that divine purpose you have set up for us. We thank you and we praise you that we serve a mighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we'll see you next week for CG.